Change of plan. What? Turn on your TV. Channel 5. Keep watching. Shouldn't be more than an hour or two. Why not? The movie podcast and the nerds who haunted themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine, and each episode I'm joined by a guest to talk about a movie they love and see where the conversation takes us from there. If you're a regular listener, thank you and welcome back to the show. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the show and thank you for giving us a listen. I hope you enjoyed the film talk, and as always, and if you feel like doing so, you can keep the conversation going in the comments on our socials, in the And Why Not Facebook group, or wherever you see this episode posted. For this episode, I'm joined by Jane and Salah as we discuss the 1996 Ron Howard thriller Ransom. Quick note, usually I try to end the podcast with the final scene from the film, but the ending of Ransom isn't really great to listen to. It's a very visual scene. Uh, so I've picked a scene from near the end in its place. Um, we discussed the final scene in the episode quite a bit, though, so hopefully you'll get an idea. And hopefully you've seen Ransom anyway, so you know. But anyway, with an advance warning on spoilers and all that introduction stuff out of the way, let's roll the trailer. I came from fairly humble beginnings from upstate New York. I'd never even been on an airplane before. In 1971, I threw everything I owned into a charter service. In a world where great risks can bring extraordinary rewards. We've grown to 37 countries worldwide. The most important thing to me these days, family. Mine. Yours. Tom Mullen has succeeded. He's so shy. Next month he's doing the underwear billboard in Times Square. Ow! Beyond his wildest dreams. I have your son. Give me two million dollars, or you'll never see him again. Sean! Your only priority is get your boy back. Ask the some sign that he's alive. Is he indoors? Is he outdoors? Oh, he's dead! How many kidnappings have you worked before? Ten. Got back seven. What went wrong? If I were a betting man, I would bet on the people who pay. Did you bet on the ones where you got back a corpse? They had him right where they wanted. Yeah, he hung up. You don't know where he is. You don't know where he is. You're the FBI and you don't know. Hey. Get him. Until he did. Is our son dead? Don't ever think that. What they never expected. Turn on your TV, Channel 5. Keep watching. Tom, you're on. The whole world now knows that my son was kidnapped. Sean, if you're watching, we love you. This is what waits for the man who took him. This is your ransom. This is as close as you'll ever get to it. Instead, I'm offering this money as a reward on your head. Take it back. No. Tell him that you were wrong. You think I don't want him back? You think I wouldn't do absolutely everything to get him back? Sean? I want to listen. Mel Gibson. I don't get my son back. I'm going to dedicate my life to tracking you down. We have an eye on him. White male, armed with a handgun. Rene Russo. Gary Sinise. Delroy Lindo. Everybody, hold your fire! You still have a chance to do the right thing. If you don't, let God be with you because nobody else on this earth will be. I want to talk! You kill him! You kill yourself! Hello! Give me back my son! Directed by Ron Howard. Hello, Jay. How are you? Hello, Stu. How are you? I am ticking on yourself. 
Well, I'm better. Yeah. Now I'm energized and good, in a good mood, good place, happy. <laughs> so if we'd done this like half an hour earlier, it could have been completely different. <laughs> Maybe like two days ago, it would have been, you know, like that. How are you? Be like, fuck off, Stu. I was like, Done. that was ransom. <laughs> 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 but yes, yeah, so all right then. So yeah, we are talking about the film Ransom. Uh, so a little bit of info on the film. So directed by Ron Howard, written by Richard Price and Alexander Ignon. Let's go with Ignon. Uh, with a story by Cyril Heim and Richard Maybaum, who wrote the original film, um, starring Mel Gibson, Rennie Russo, Gary Sinise, Delroy Lindo, and Lily Taylor, and not on the poster. Brawley Nolte, Dev Schreiber, and Donnie Wahlberg. Uh, released in cinemas on the 8th of November 1996 in the US and the 7th of February 1997 in the UK. Grossed $309,492,672 worldwide on an estimated budget of $80 million. Oh my god. Um, and then Roger Ebert gave the film three stars out of four, saying, Ransom is a smarter than usual kidnapping thriller. The movie would have benefited from a tight rewrite. It's too ambitious in including plot threads that it doesn't have time to deal with, but Gibson's strong central performance speeds it along. Uh, I couldn't find a Barry Norman review, but in the his review for Empire Magazine, Adam Smith gave the film four stars out of five, saying, what saves Ransom from a script that has fewer twists than a snake with rigor mortis are strong performances, both from Gibson, who in a sequence during which he thinks uh, his plan has resulted in the dispersal of his poppets' cranial matter all over the wall, elevates a pretty one-dimensional character into something more closely resembling a stricken parent. And Sinise, who is equally effective as the hissing baddie who uh, who capitalises on Mullen's reputation as a payer. So it got good reviews at the time. Um, I'm glad I didn't re- read reviews before I went to see it at the cinema on the 2nd of February 1997, which was a Sunday, and cost me £4.50. And Ooh. was it 6.30? Because the Gary Sinise reveal that he's the baddie when you know it, it's obvious. But when I first yeah. saw it, I was genuinely surprised. I was like, fuck, this film's going to be over quick. The cops found him. And I kind of think they ruined it by in all the reviews telling you that Gary Sneeze was the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. Because there's a flash in the trailer of him shooting his gun, which once you know, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, no, that is Gary Sneeze firing his gun. Like, does it get from that shot? And again, if you look at the trailer, Gary Sneeze is barely in the trailer despite being third build. So when did you first see the film? Let's Let's go there and then we'll get into the... All right. Well, for me, I totally remember the trailer when it was airing, you know, like on channels on TV. Back then we would watch, you know, like TV waiting for the movie trailers, what's in the cinema, blah, blah, blah. So I totally remember, give me back my son. I totally remember this sequence. It was like, oh, okay. And when I was watching it, I didn't even nag my parents at the time. I was about, I think, nine or ten. They didn't nag them, like, take me to the cinema. I want to see Mel Gibson, you know, like, fuck Mel Gibson. But still, um, I was interested later on, you know, like, okay, when we get the VHS tape, because my dad would get, when everything went to VHS, my dad would get it all, like, the whole library. And then, you know, like, whoever wants to watch whatever. And I remember watching it with my family back then and i remember it was such an intense experience why because i was a kid and this poor kid was like i don't know like traumatized the whole damn movie so for me it was like oh why are they doing this to this poor kid like oh my god this is this is what stuck with me the most like me watching this kid being roughed and you know like tied up and just all the adults being mean to him like everybody was mean to him except you know like the poor bastard who died in the beginning donny Wahlberg. yeah that's donny Wahlberg. Oh, 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 la la. <laughs> so yeah, Donnie. So 
for me, like he was the only nice person to this poor kid. And the others were all assholes. So for me, it yes. was just like, oh my God, I feel bad. And my mom, my mom has this, you know, like thing because she gets so emotional and worked up over movies. She'd keep like, I feel bad for this child actor. Why is he acting this movie? And I'm like, mom, just, I'm a kid. Mom, let me enjoy the experience. And of course, I hated every single one of them. Lily Taylor, although I love her as an actress, I really hated her in this movie. I remember being a kid and like, stop it, you're evil. You should be nice and caring. And I hated Gary Sinise, of course, so much. Yeah. But um, even back then, I felt like his dad was kind of an asshole. Like, I felt like, wow, Mel Gibson is an asshole in this movie. He's not even a good dad. He's like a sneaky, bad guy. But still, you know, it's good to watch him save the kids. So this yeah, is I mean... <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd say he's a bad guy. I mean, he's corrupt. Yeah, well, cor- at, at, least, at least one-off corrupt that we know about. I think um, there's more. <laughs> I yeah, think he I, has more. To I, I think there probably are more skeletons in the closet, kind of thing. But it's um, yeah. I mean, like I say, I saw the trailer and that was all I had to go on. And then I looked at the star rating because I used to get Empire and Total Film. And I looked at the star yeah. ratings in that, but I deliberately didn't read the reviews because I knew I was going to go and watch it. Yeah. And then I read the reviews after because that's how I like to do it. Because reviews tend to give you too much plot in them. A lot of reviews seem to be like, you know, this is the bulk of the plot of the film, and then this is my thoughts on it in the first and last yeah. paragraph. It's, I it's hate like, it. It's like, dude, you don't need to describe the film to me. Just tell me what you like about it's it. Your opinion, bitch. You know. Um, it's weird, with the exception of Donnie Wahlberg, how many of that crew are just well up for killing the kid. Like, <laughs> I know that everybody knew that that was going to be the outcome, no matter what, but. And I, I find it after Donnie Wahlberg's killed that Leo Schreiber's like, yeah, let's just kill this fucking kid. It's like, dude, that was the one thing your brother didn't want to happen. And you're like honoring <laughs> his memory by going in there to stab the kid with a kitchen knife. Like just so they were all so fucking mean. I don't know. Like for me as a kid, I felt like God, this poor kid fell into the hands of monsters. You know what I mean? Like you've seen a lot okay, 90s movies were filled with kids being kidnapped and dad's going to save them, you know, and all that shit. But still this one felt like the worst. He had the worst luck. He fell into the hands of monsters. Even, you know, like nobody had anything for him except the guy who died in the beginning. And yeah. then later on they were like, you know, like cutting him and like tying him up, wanting to kind of like bury him. What the hell? What is your problem, guys? Chill. So yeah, everybody was mean in this movie. This is what I remember as a kid. Yeah, it's... it's. I mean, the, the kid actor is played by Nick Nolte's son, which, once you realise that he's Nick Nolte's son, you can see Nick Nolte in him. Yeah, when I first saw this bit, film, yeah. I didn't really know who Nick Nolte was. <laughs> you know, Maybe back then, yeah, I never knew. I never knew, too. But once I was doing the notes for this, I was like, oh, shit, no, it was Nick Nolte's son, wasn't it? And then I looked at it, I was like, fuck that. Now I know why he was fucked up for life. I, I wrote the <laughs> note that... Nick Nolte's kid is obviously Nick Nolte's kid. He looks just <laughs> like him. I mean, that first opening scene does a nice job of putting all the pieces in place. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's not subtle with it. I mean, but it's it sets everything up nicely. I mean, I think this was sort of a step out of the comfort zone for Ron Howard. I don't think he'd done a film like this before, to the best of my memory. Um, and he does a really good job with it, I think. Ron Howard's yeah. one of those... Sometimes it could be like anybody directed this, and this is no disrespect to Ron Howard. It's just the nature of some of the films he does don't require any particular directorial flair. Um, But yeah, I think he really pushes himself with this one. Um, 
it's also one of those films that's like, oh, it's that guy. It's that guy who became somebody. It's that guy who became somebody. It's Donnie Warburg, it's Liev Schreiber. <laughs> Liev Schreiber was a bitch of this. I always used, saw him as a tool, to be honest. And like in some, I remember him in Kristen, what was it called? Caton Leopold? He was an idiot. Yeah. You know, like he was the guy garbage whom McGrine kicked around, you know. And here he is kicking some ass and he was really a bit sinister, you know, like the bulky badass guy and stuff like that. So, man, he picked the cast so well, too. So Ron Howard really, I totally agree. He did a great job with this movie. Like everybody fit and the whole pace and the emotional undertone was perfect. Like you say, Lily Taylor against type as well. (laughs) Lily Taylor was terrifying. She does does evilish bitch. Although, (laughs) you start to see the levels of trauma in all of them. This is what I love. Like for me, yeah, as a kid, you only saw them as evil people. Now that you're watching as an adult, you feel like, oh my God, they're all fucked up people. They, even him himself, you know, like even Gary Sinis, he's this guy who sees this rich people kind of, of course, no validation for whatever he's doing. But I mean, like he's just this person down on his luck, low life rack, whatever, corrupt cop or whatever the bullshit he's living. And he sees a person like Tom Mullen, who's not really a good person, uh, a kind of a corrupt person, kind of like living the life and getting out of all the problems. So you kind of see the layers into them. Yeah, but I mean, still, when you see the kid, you hate them all. <laughs> at least this is what I. <laughs> the Gary Sneeze setup because he's kind of set up as a decent sort of cop at the beginning because he's stopping the one uniform cop from beating on the um, guy he's arrested and putting in the back of the car. Yeah. So you kind he is kind of set up, and again, once you know the twist that he is. It's not even a twist, really. But once you know that he's the cop who's behind it all, the scene between him and Donnie Wahlberg in the shop where he's interviewing the one perp but keeps looking at Donnie Wahlberg, and you're like, that's just a really on-the-ball cop. And then, yeah, it it all falls into place. But, I mean, there's that whole... I think with Lily Taylor, she's gone from... He's rescued her from her one abuser to become her new abuser. But it's just a different... It's that charming motherfucker abuser definitely he's manipulating her what i loved is the perils he's manipulating her and for me i saw tom manipulating kate these men these powerful men each in the respective positions they were manipulating these women like he keeps telling her you know like this scene where he's talking to her he's like it's your humanity you're good I was like, oh my God, you're not even giving her the space to feel whatever she wants to feel, to have her own thinking. You know, like same time goes for same goes for Tom. Like you can feel this poor woman, Kate, has been with him all the time. And he's kind of like brainwashing her into the role that he wants her to be. But when this incident happens, everything falls apart. So now he's exposed. And now she sees that her husband isn't really who she thinks he is. And I like the idea of how the Rene Rosso, oh, she's a favorite character of mine, a favorite actress of mine from back then, uh, kind of like develops. So I love yeah. it. I mean, all of the cast are great, but this is very much Mel Gibson's film. And outside of the movie and his work, you know, fuck Mel Gibson and some of the shit he's done. Um, he's crazy motherfucker, and he has crazy eyes too. Like, you can but see he is—he is great in this film. When you see him like thinking things over when he's driving to do the second drop before he decides yeah. to go on the TV thing, um, both his and Rennie Russo's reaction to the "We Have Your Son" video, yeah, both their reactions. Well, when he thinks he's killed him, this scene is so intense. Even now, 
it's so brilliantly edited as well, the way it cuts from him to her, to Delroy Lindo, to the kidnappers, back to that yeah. room, to and another kid. kidnapper, and then it reveals the kid's still alive at the end. Yeah. And, and, and again, Gary Sinise working it all out in his head when he decides to betray them all. I know we're jumping all over the place. Yeah. But I, I love the way you see things ticking over in Gary Sinise's head as well. I mean, you could see why they made him the lead in CSI New York. Definitely. When it eventually came. Yeah, I don't really know the best way to sort of approach this one. I mean, character-wise, because it's... I'd say it's a pretty tight film. It's sloppy in places, a couple of saggy bits, but they're largely made up for either by the dialogue that comes or some of the set pieces. Yeah. The whole hoops he has to jump through to do that first drop, like dive into the swimming pool with all his clothes on to mess up the wire. (laughs) Yeah. Get the key, change his clothes, change his car, change the money into different bags. Um, I love that exchange between him and Gary Sneeze, where he's talking, asking him if he's seen the movie The Time Machine. Yeah. And I love I'm Mel Gibson's not... facial expression. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? The Time exactly, Machine? Exactly, like, <laughs> fucking shit. I just... You're a movie fan, Tom. You ever see that movie The Time Machine? No. It's the uh, land of the future, right? There's only two kinds of people in the world now. The Morlocks and the Eloi. Okay. The Eloys, they live above ground. They wear togas. They're all blonde. They eat grapes and shit like that. But it's like the Garden of Eden there. I mean... Basically, everybody just lays around. Listens to harp music. How do I get my boy back? Morlocks. They live underground, right? Big, hairy, ugly suckers like you wouldn't wish on an ape, right? They're down there with all this machinery. They're doing all the labor. They're making sure that the Eloys have enough food and and togas. Are you going to answer me? Well, this is a great deal if you're an Eloy, right? There's only one thing. Every once in a while, a Morlock comes up to the surface and snatches an Eloy takes him down there. All right, I'm done driving till you tell me what I want to know. The Morlocks, they don't eat grapes. They're cannibals. They eat Eloys. So when I think about uh, the time machine, it kind of reminds me of New York City, you know? See, you're an Eloy. You and all your friends walking around like zombies with no fucking idea of the shit going on down below. So does this make me a Morlock? I don't like to think of myself. I guess it does. And every once in a while, one of you gets snatched. Like, he's he's not even used to, you know, like, and this is what I loved. Like, it's as if the Garrisonist character is so happy to finally get his attention, you know what I mean? Like, you could see this guy, he's so pissed off at all these rich bastards, and he really feels like, now I have power to just make you sit down and listen to me. Yeah. And at the same time, Tom Mullen is so Tom Mullen. He's like, what the fuck? What is he talking about? You know, like, he's not even interested. He's not even listening. He's not even focusing on whatever the other guy is talking. You know, like, the other guy is, like, giving this deep, a bit psychopathic, of course, you know, like view of the world, but still you can feel he is so intense, like, ah, oh, the rich, yeah, the poor are gonna eat the rich and stuff. And the other guy's like, my son, yeah, he's not even interested. So this is what I like, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, I love the power switch when Mel Gibson realizes that actually he has some power. I'm mean, neither of them have any real power. All their power is dependent on the other person. Yeah, um, but I love sort of way that switches and how Gary Sinise comes unraveled. Um, it's I love it so much. And the there is this scene that I really love too. The scene at the end when you know it's like the kid has heard Gary Sinise's yeah. voice, and the kid does a very good job at this scene. To be honest. Yeah, Where is I, this Rowley Nolte? Was he traumatized by his dad, Nick? Because I feel I like he don't know what happened to him. I think he did a couple of things after, but I'm not 100 percent sure. I think um, he was arrested, drunk and driving, or something like that. He, most... he turned out to be notorious. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so yeah, he was really good as a child actor in this scene. In, he was in this movie, but in this scene in particular, he was very good. I mean, he's great in the scenes where he, like, when he says thank you to Lily Taylor, and that sort of humanizes nice. him to her, to the point yeah. where when she goes in to kill him, she can't do it. She wants to kill him herself as well. Like, I love this scene because she's just she reached, you know, like she, you could tell this whole experience wrecked them all apart. Yeah, you got Rene Russo as well, who, yeah, it's a fairly thankless role to be fair in this film. Yeah. The one thing she's given to do is when she goes to the church and then she gets the crap beaten out of her, which is quite vicious, I thought. Yeah. It's, it's quite a brutal attack. I don't know. Like, they're so, this is what I'm telling you. They're so sinister. Seriously, they're, they're like, but, you know, like, now I like that they showed them in a very brutal way. You know what I mean? Like, like okay, yeah, you see gangs, you see, you know, like a crime group or whatever in 90s movies, but here it's like, I feel this is reality like nobody's nice with anybody nobody's kind to women or just so brutal it was difficult to watch sometimes but at the same time it was i don't know yeah the stuff with the kid being like chained to the bed and everything that's quite tough to watch yeah and I, I, to me it's like enough ron howard like hello darling come on now me because i'm like in my 30s and like a lot of us are, are parents and stuff like that so it kind of feels like hello if this was my kid, I'd be on Ron, Ron Howard's ass. Like, hey, no, don't shoot it a lot. You know? Yeah, like I think me, he takes it parent, just up to the point where it would have been too much. Um, Same here. Because I, I don't generally like stuff involving kids in films. Um, me too. Oh my but, gosh, you too. Thanks so but, much. Um, it's why I will never watch Clint Eastwood film The Changeling. A guy at work was like, don't watch it. It's like, I know what you like. He was like, do not fucking watch it. It's horrible. <laughs> Really? I didn't th watch The Changeling. It's the Angelina Jolie one. Oh my god, I didn't watch it. I felt it was too grim. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. Telling yeah it, people tell me it's cruel. I hate cruel movies, to be honest. Especially when it involves kids, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly the same with me. It was instant, like, you know, never watch it. It will play over in your mind forever. Um, this, is, this is why I'm telling you, this movie felt to me in a way that he took it a little bit too far. Like, this is what I felt now. Like, I felt like, it's, oh my gosh. It's that fine line between sort of getting the point across. Because it's interesting. Part of me wonders whether... Would it have been more interesting if Gary Sinise didn't want to kill the kid? But then you understand why he wants to kill the kid. But he's so fucking evil about it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, this and is it's the this, thing. It's this weird thing. I mean, admittedly, then he's the one who actively keeps the kid alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the scary shit. Or actually, Mel Gibson's the one who actively keeps the kid alive by putting them in a situation where they've got no choice but to keep him alive. Um, yeah. I love the kidnapping scene as well. I think that's really well done. 
and very all, yeah. all the pieces move in and then just Donny Wahlberg walks up behind him behind a pillar and they just disappear and that Tom runs in front of the van that's got the kid in it and the van struggles to get going again yeah I love it's, it too very well made yeah it's it's such a well put together thing I mean they're both awful parents neither are keeping an eye on their child in Central Same. fucking Park this is what I felt like terrible parenting hello you guys like, yeah, yeah, go, Sean, go play with your... Pu- oh, are you kidding me? Do you know how many... Have you never watched an there? episode of Law and Order? <laughs> Damn it, and you're rich bitches. Like, everybody's out there to get your kid. You castles. I don't know, I hated them so much. I love that Delroy Lindo bit where he's talking to his, we, we assume, wife. I love Delroy Lindo. I'm so glad we're not rich. See, yeah, exactly. I'm like, like, yeah. Me too, yeah. don't. Me too, mate. <laughs> The only downside of not being rich is if your child is ever taken, you know it ain't going to be for fucking money. So, is that better? This, I, I love the thing as well about how many kidnappers you worked on, and he breaks it down to actual straight up kidnappers. He's like ten, and then when you get back, it's like seven. <laughs> I love this too. Because all <laughs> I hear is three kids didn't come back. <laughs> not yeah, we saved seven. I'm hearing there's three. <laughs> I mean, Delroy Lindo. It's so good in this film. Again, I don't understand. Yeah. There's a couple of actors. There's like several actors that I don't understand why they weren't massive. Delroy Lindo. I mean, with just within this film, Delroy Lindo and Liev Schreiber should have been massive. Very. I think they both oh, think. very interesting actors. Um, but yeah, Delroy Lindo is great in this, and then gonna... went on to play a similar character in the CV series Kidnapped. Although I love this series so much. And I, know, it wasn't I think even that's, that's how we met, was me putting about kidnapped and you saying about how much you loved Stewart. it. And that's See, how we yeah, started talking. But God, this was a great series. This was a badass. It and was they I mean, didn't pretty exploit, much this, but... But kind of like fleshed out. And at the same time, they didn't exploit the kid even as much. Like, And he was older. Hello, Ron Howard. Like, yeah, I really want to... We have to get Ron Howard and like, tell him our opinion. Jeremy Sisto was so great in that series as well. Jeremy Sisto was... A, and they had this beautiful Carmen Ahogo, I think. She was this actress playing his partner. Yeah. It was Nap and Turn. Oh, my goodness. What a beautiful woman. Like, I would stare at her all the scenes, but all the extras were great in this series. Oh my gosh. Oh, Similar twist to this a... film as well, but... Very! If you think about it now, oh my goodness. See? Never but saw Yeah, I mean... I, I do like the, both the FBI and the media fuck everything up. That's so true. <laughs> I mean, this movie's kind of ahead of its time with that constantly having news footage in the background of the people on the street giving their opinions. Very, very. I loved it. Imagine your kid's gone missing and you're looking at fucking dickheads on the street be like, yeah, I'd fucking do this. Or he's an absolute monster for not paying up. Or Exactly. Imagine. This is so us. This is so us now. The post-social media era where everything is streamed and just, you know, like everybody just gets to comment on everybody. It's just, I mean, it's not a new thing. If you've ever seen the documentary One Day in September about the Munich Olympics, the press fucked that up when they're about to break in and take him. And the kidnappers yeah. are watching them crawling across the roof on the new on the live news footage. Oh my motherfuckers! Fuck Don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-media. Media do a very important job. I'm not being that fucking guy either. But of course, but still, yeah, no, you... no when to report on shit. It's still, yeah, it's still heartless. <laughs> that, that, you know, the, like... pe- the people have the right to know thing is bollocks. Do they fuck? 
It's like, if a kid's going to die, just because you can show me fucking news footage of Mel Gibson driving his car. (laughs) (laughs) But I love he gets a phone call telling him he's got an email and he has to go to that big-ass 90s laptop that boots up straight away. No, no, I don't care how rich he is. He needs the dial-up tone. Yeah. (laughs) He needs 40 minutes for it to boot everything up. (laughs) Run a virus check. You remember our torture back then? Damn, things were hard. Oh, that dial-up noise still haunts me. Yeah, me too. Or, or somebody makes and a phone like... call and boots you off the internet. Yeah, and you feel like, ah, you could not what? podcast in the early nineties, in the mid nineties to early two thousands. Never. I don't think I. I don't think I heard a podcast even. I, I don't think podcasts were there then. But could you imagine it? Imagine, imagine us like having a conversation. Imagine trying then. to do this on a nineties laptop. <laughs> And you feel like the, the the circle, you know, like connecting. Like... <laughs> it's hard enough as it is now. <laughs> I know. I know with the connection all the bullshit, yeah. Um, one thing, when he does his TV message to the kidnapper, that is absolutely superb. I would argue that while everyone talks about Liam Neeson's phone call speech in Taken, no, ugh, no, this, this is just as good, if not better. Better. It's so what I mean. The Liam Neeson, whether you like Taken or not, the Liam Neeson to phone call thing is a fucking superb little bit of fuck you, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to find you, I'm going to kill you piece of acting, delivery, writing. Everything's perfect in that. But this one's so good. I love Mel Gibson's thing, if you know. Mel Gibson's Gibson's a troubled man in real life, but he was an amazing actor. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Brave heart. This is the the, the hard thing. Yeah, love me. Fucking Riggs, man. He's Riggs. And he's crazy, like as Mad Max. I really he's love such a likable screen presence. And I did yeah. like when he sort of reached this thing where he did push himself and push that likability. By me too, because you know, part of me does wonder if this film ends with him getting arrested. <laughs> I mean, we'll talk about the very end of this film towards the end of the podcast, but there's so many nice little tense scenes as well. Like you say, that end scene, or not the end scene, but that scene where Sean comes back from playing football. Yeah. Just the way that kid freezes, but still hides around the corner, and just where he wets himself. And, and the way his terror is like, why? Like, like you could feel now that you're an adult, you could imagine as a kid, this kid is like wondering why in this safe environment the unsafety came. You know, like the boogeyman yeah. came. Like you could feel why? Why is my safety threatened again? Like why is he here? This is what I felt like as a kid. This is what makes me my heart break because of kids like this kid doesn't understand. Now he's safe. Now he's with mom and dad. End of story. But suddenly he's listening to his father and watching his father and listening to the sound from his terror days. You know, so imagine what this must have felt because then he went and hid in his tent or whatever. Yeah, you could feel it. Like he's finding the smallest or the safest spot where he could just be completely isolated. Like nobody would harm me here. So it just broke my heart. We all know what it's like from being a kid where you're out with your parents and you either get distracted by something or you've not realised they've carried on walking and then for that brief moment where you can't see them and you're just gripped by that fear. (gasps) Whether it's out shopping or, you know, you've gone to the park or whatever. We've Everybody as a child has had that moment. So imagine that, but, you know, you've actually been fucking grabbed. (laughs) Exactly. And, like, blindfolded all the time and, like, roughly handled by people you can't see oh and, my god and the goodness. one guy who was being nice to use now mysteriously disappeared as well <laughs> yeah exactly it doesn't give you chocolates anymore 
that FBI thing when they take out Donnie Wahlberg. It's like, overkill, mind. Hello. I know that they try and justify it by he was pointing a gun at you, so we felt we had no choice but to go in. I don't know. It just made me feel like the stupidity of the police as usual. You know, like this is. A I, I think that's kind of what it's up as. I mean, with the exception of Delroy Lindo. Yeah. I think they're kind of being like, oh yeah, the FBI's dumb, the media's dumb. Mel Gibson knows what's going on. Let's run. And he felt it. And it's difficult, even though ultimately Mel Gibson is right. It's difficult to root for him sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you could feel like you're not even a good. What are What are you doing? How do you guarantee? You know, I mean, like. What are you doing? Are you compromising his safety? Blah blah blah. And, and I suppose I like that's the difficulty, though, isn't it? That, yeah, that's the whole thing, isn't it? The whole premise of the film is what would you do? Exactly, and the premise of the film too. I feel like he's not a likable character. Like he's not going to be the model person. He's a person. He's a parent. You know, like he's a dad. You don't yeah, have to. I mean, feel like I, he's I get the, the feeling he's, he's a good man who did bad things to either keep his life or get his life i like like the character these yeah yeah you like tom mullen this is the thing you're rooting for tom mullen me i feel like i expose you tom mullen i know what you did okay and you're an asshole i know what he did but let's face it like in this day and age there are people doing considerably worse than what tom mullen did in this film in this day and age what tom mullen did is fairly quaint and just a slap on the wrist kind of thing anybody got jailed for it (laughs) yeah i feel like he's he's just a smart person like he's really smart he's really cunning and i think he used it to his son's benefit you know like you could tell i think it's it's that thing isn't it to be that level of business person you have to have that ruthless it's why i could never be a successful business person (laughs) i couldn't i couldn't fuck somebody who's like gone so far with me on a journey over just to get ahead a little bit further I know, never. I couldn't Damn, set up a company with a friend and then freeze them out and take everything from them. This is why we're poor, Tim. This is why I don't have money. I, I lack <laughs> that ruthless streak. Yeah. Um, and cold-blooded, you know, like I'd, I'd stomp on anybody just to reach. Why? Like, I mean, if I they took my kid, that would be a different story. But if they took my kid, I'll take their guts out with my <laughs> fucking kid. Are you kidding me? I'm a hyena. If this, are you serious? You it, can eat shit, Gary Sinners. But I'm amazed none of the gang turn on him sooner. I know because they were afraid. He, they were afraid of him. I think he's, he was a master. He's a manipulative bastard. He oh yeah, well, so... he's manipulated Lily Taylor. The one guy's so high he doesn't give a fuck. He does have that great <laughs> line when um she's going having a go at him about spending time with the kid, and then you're like, and you've been drinking. He's like, yeah, but I wasn't <laughs> drinking with the kid. <laughs> and you know. Guy, I think he was playing Charlotte's husband, I think, or a boyfriend in Sex and the City. So I totally remember yeah, him. But he yeah, he was Harry, Charlie, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I what? Him. Sex and the City? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sirius is great. Movies can go fuck themselves. Um, yeah, yeah. And I can't be bothered with the sequel series either. Um, yeah, me too. Ugh. But yeah, I mean, they're great. The way he throat punches Liev Schreiber. When he's got the knife to go and stab the kid, and he just throat punches him, Oof. Like he inflicts so all that pain. Then he's like, "Just breathe, just breathe." Yeah, he, this is why I feel like he's so like he's he's cold blooded. He's scary. He's one of the scariest villains because you could feel he's like got he this just... nice little thing. It's like they stained his teeth, so like you know he's a cop who's drank coffee all his life, possibly yeah. smoked, possibly not. But yeah, he's got those slightly brown stained teeth. Yeah, and it's just. 
I'd love to know what the deal is with his character. He's a fascinating character beyond he's the, cool. you know, he knows he's a payer. He's fed up with people like him getting away with it. But it's difficult to go from that to, I'm going to kill the fucking kid as well. Because he's clearly a highly know. decorated officer. Because you see all the shit in his apartment before he goes to get his check from yeah. Mel Gibson. Exactly. And you've got all those, again, talking head cops on the news saying what a great cop he is. And you feel like his love for Maris, uh, even it's, I don't know, like sometimes I feel he loves her in his own twisted, you know, like dominant mental Yeah, because he, he definitely like, feels, awesome. I like how he plays his remorse at killing her, or his apparent yeah. remorse at killing her. I, you know, he knew he had no choice, but I don't think he wanted to do it. Even when he's given his statement at the end, he, there's that long pause before he talks about shooting her. Yeah. And I love Daryl Lindo in that bit where he's drinking from the coffee, but you can see his eyes going where he's like, summer's not, I don't know. Yeah. The point where I kind of wish Delroy Lindo had figured it out sort of at the same time. I think his yeah. character needed that moment. It so... needed actually, yeah, it needed to be fleshed out more. I think he, he was given, this is what he was given in Kidnap. Like he was really yeah. given the, the ability to grow. But here I think they shrunk him to glamorize, you know, like Melly. Well, yeah, I think, yeah. No, but like I say, you could have done it without taking anything away from El Gibson. You could have still had the Sean reaction to him being in the apartment. I know. Um, and then still had Delroy Linda being like, there's something off about this guy and him having pieced it together for himself Let's as well. Let's go together. Oh, you totally remind me of this line from Kidnapped where it's like, Nap and I neither share a bed nor a brain. I love it when she just says it. <laughs> I loved her so much. She says it to Delroy Delindo too. So I yeah. love it. I'm, I'm going to have to rewatch that series again at some point. Please, yeah. yeah. You have to, if you ever start to like make a spin-off episode or like, you know, like a bonus episode, Christmas like, and we can talk about it because I want to talk about it to anybody. I never thought anybody in the universe watched it, but me. And I was so happy. Well, yeah, I was amazed. I mean, I, when I worked at HMV, I showed it to my boss. I was like, right, this is what we're watching on our lunch rates for the next 15 days. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, We'll sort of talk about that in a little bit anyway, probably. But um and yeah. yeah, I mean the phone calls are so well done. Like I say, that one where he thinks he's had Sean killed is so well done. Then it goes out to the shot on the aftermath of it with him on the balcony. I love the way when she hugs him, Ron Howard sort of does that move up with the camera. And you sort of see how small they actually are and how high up above world they are it's a really nice framing device totally and even the way he kind of like closes in on himself like a fetus you know like you could feel he just he lost his man he became a baby became a child and of course for his woman you know like to take him into his arms and hug him you know like i don't know it felt it felt so poignant this moment want to talk to your son yes of course i do daddy dad sean I want to listen. That's enough. No, put him back on. I want to talk to him. You just did. No. You listen. Real, real good. You got one more chance to pay up. Well, you're never going to talk to him again. No more fucking around. This is it right now. What's it going to be? No. 
bullshit. You're not gonna touch him. You can't be that stupid. Do you have any idea the rain of shit I can put on you? Look at your wife. Look at her face, motherfucker. Do you know what I can do to your boy? Is it dark where you're calling from? You got the shades drawn? Kind of like a cellar, right? Like a cave? Well, you better get used to that. You better get used to crawling in the dark for the rest of your days because I am gonna get the best group of manhunters in this country and I am gonna dedicate my life to tracking you down. Hey, hey, get your head out of your ass! You think he can threaten me, huh? Who do you think you're dealing with? Give me the money! Fuck you and your two million. Don't you understand English, you useless piece of shit? No money, none! Let me tell you something. You think you're suffering right now? Huh? You got no idea what suffering is. If I don't get the cash in one hour, this kid is dead! I don't get my son back, and I mean real soon. You better kill yourself. Because when I catch up with you, I'm gonna take my goddamn time. By the time we're finished, you're gonna wish you weren't born! I'll have your head on a fucking pike, you understand me? Fuck you! I'll fucking kill him right now! I wanna talk! You kill him! You kill yourself, you motherfucker! Give me back my son! Hello! You want him? Yes! You want him? Daddy! Ah! Oh, Jesus! Jesus! Oh, Jesus! Oh, no! Oh, God! So you've got that, and then you've got... <laughs> The rest, the rest of the kidnapping gang being kind of like, no, fuck it, we're out. So they're bundling up the van. You've got Gary Sinise across in the laundrette, off-license, whatever it is. Sort of working it all out in his head. Yeah, he's so This is what I'm telling you. He's so smart and manipulative. Like, he's a very scary character to be around. Like, imagine knowing him in your workplace. He'd fuck you over in a second. Throw you out of work. Put you in shit. Take your place. Maybe your girl. <laughs> like, this is the guy I would be afraid to know. Like, yeah, it wouldn't be that level of extreme, but sociopaths like him, they win. It's you know, like scary that he was down on his luck because he it's... had no data. Right, I'm not saying this as a light comment or a flippant comment. It's very much like a wife beater. To the outside yeah. world, a wife beater is usually like the most charming person you can ever meet. Definitely, definitely. But the heinous, horrible, you look at it like even on a basic level of TV programs. The wife beat is always like, you know, charming guy. Everybody loves him. And then you have the big reveal of, you know, he's actually a piece of shit kind of thing. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. that comes from real life. And that's very much what Gary Sneeze, he's an abuser. He's not a wife beater, but he's an abuser. Yeah. He's got a position of power and he's manipulated people. Um, And like I say, I'd, I'd love to know what his, more about his story. I watched the deleted yeah, scenes still on the DVD to see if there was any sort of like extra stuff that they cut. That was juicy, but it's not. It's mostly Delroy Lindo's boss, who was in CSI for Guilfoy. Might be saying that name wrong. Um, who's like highly credited in the opening credits, but is barely in the film. So I thought there must be more with him. But it's that there's one scene between Gary Sinise and Lily Taylor where she's washing up, and he asks her why she's doing it, and then sort of tries to make moves on her. She's like, I can't live like this, and then she knocks him aside, and oh. you know, like you know take your little garrison ease away i don't want none of it um but yeah there's nothing particularly interesting in the deleted scenes unfortunately they're all scenes that you look at them and you go yeah i see why you cut them yeah good for you ronnie <laughs> um i just think there's more to jimmy like i say the bit when he goes to get the check he play how he plays that from like being vulnerable um, saying he's never killed anybody before kind of thing and there's the vulnerability to him there when he's talking to him and then how it sort of starts to turn when he asks him why he didn't pay without Mel Gibson knowing who he is at that yeah. point um, it's so well done just sort of the look on his face when he realises that if he hadn't brought his son back to him 
he never would have given him a second look. But then at the same time, Mel Gibson knew Lily Taylor was. He knew that she'd worked for him a couple of times. Yeah. So it's I'm, it's not like they, you know, although would he have recognised her on the street if she hadn't been one of the kidnappers? The way her yeah. staying in that stairwell as well with the leg broken up. Yeah, it was... She, she had a grim. <laughs> she was just, I don't know, she was terrifying in this movie. Like, you could feel, like, yeah, I could feel she had this... She was also violent with... Yeah, I could feel her struggling, but her struggles weren't even that much. Like, she really wanted to kill that kid at some point. Yeah. She was happy. To, like, the part when she's like, hey, your daddy's not going to save you. This is not going to end. Like, you could feel she really... This is why I felt like I needed to know more. Like, why were they all intent? Like, there must have been things about their traumas that connected them in their vicious treatment of a child and, you know, like, feeling like he's disposable. And I like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I wonder whether... I don't know, I get the feeling Gary Sneeze was going to betray most of them anyway. Definitely, me too. When he tells her that they don't matter, when she's complaining that they don't respect her authority, they don't listen to her, and he sort of says, forget them, they don't matter. I, I kind of get the feeling as well then that... They were disposable too. Yeah. That... He was going to get rid of them anyway. A bit like the opening of The Dark Knight, it was just <laughs> one had killed the other one and then... Yeah. Um, I don't know whether he would have killed Lily Taylor's character. I think I I wonder if his plan was for them for those two to have the two million and go. Yeah, for me it's tricky. I think he wouldn't have killed her unless it was like it was either him or she would have yeah. been like. Yeah, it got to the back, point you know where he mean? had to kill her because. Yeah. Other than that, the, yeah. That was another nice bit. I thought was when she shoots him and he looks at her and she sort of realizes that she has some power over him finally. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and he, him trying to process that as well. I mean, fuck, she shot me. What the fuck? He never thought she would have the guts to do it. Again, he knew he it, had her. It's a bit like when an abused wife finally stands up. The the general shot. Or when they he... leave as well. Exactly. This is why he Again, needed I'm her. not sounding to... flippant about people, you know, women or men in abusive relationships being abused by yeah. their partner. I don't mean it to sound like that, but it's it's very much that moment and then you know when she finally raises the gun again he realizes he's got no choice but to kill her yeah he has to kill her because he realizes that fuck she is gonna kill me it's almost like he's trying to work out how he can talk his way out of it yeah he's in it's all in his mind and the fact that you could see this through his facial expression in his eyes it's I think it's brilliant. Like, you could feel... Gary Sinise has got one of those faces again Gary Sinise is an amazing actor he's just never really no, had the leading man opportunities, but then in... no disrespect to Gary Sinise, he doesn't really have the leading man looks. He's got TV leading man looks, so like Very. leading a CSI totally. New York, which he made him a shitload of money. I'm sure Gary Sinise is absolutely fine, Definitely. <laughs> but he's very <laughs> much like you know, roles. yeah, that supporting actor kind of thing. And then, again, there's nothing wrong in that, there's no shame in being like you know, having a monumental you career have to be like, as, yeah, as the second build guy, men. yeah. Definitely. As the best friend, as Captain Dan from Forrest Gump, whatever. Yeah. He, he sort of, after this, sort of, it was this, Snake Eyes, and a couple of other things, where it's like, oh, it's Gary Sinise, so he's going to be the bad guy. Yeah. We're going to like him to begin with, but he's going to be the bad guy. Yeah, we have to hate him from the beginning, because you know he's going to turn out bad. Except for Apollo 13. <laughs> he was in Apollo 13. Yeah, he's the one who doesn't go. He gets replaced by Kevin Bacon. 
I'll get them back. Of course. Think about it. Often do. Often do. We all know me and my feelings towards Kevin Bacon. I know, I know, I know Kevin. Kevin forever. Like, Kevin is a chameleon. Yeah, I mean, he's another one that plays, like, really good, good guys and really nasty, bad guys. I know, and he does both very well. He had this movie with Christian Slater that broke my heart. He played a prisoner and he was constantly tortured and stuff like that. Uh, Murder in the First. Yeah, this movie is just awful. And then you, you think have that's a in... tough watch. Watch The Woodsman, where he plays a. I watched The Woodsman. Are you serious? With his wife. Yeah, where you're watching there. it. And you're yeah. like, Am I actually feeling sorry for a pedophile? I know, and what I hate myself. What the fuck is this film doing? That Why? does it very well. You... And Little Children does it very well with. um. Oh, Bullets, what's his name? The, the guy who was Rorschach in Watchmen. Yeah. The character, I don't even remember his name. This one, too, was awful. But yeah, both those films, the two films that you like, oh, I f- no, I feel, no. <laughs> and, I, and I feel like, why are you doing this to me? Like, why are you putting me in this morally ambiguous situation where I have to sympathize with, you know, like, I don't know. What, what yeah, are you I saying? Can... Pedophiles are people too? I mean, I suppose they are, but... I know. What the hell, guys? Like, I want to talk to the filmmakers and they, see they what they like... had in mind. Jackie O'Haley, that's the other actor I was trying to think of. Um... Jackie O'Haley, okay. I did that without looking anything up as well. Just flipping wow. through the files in my mind. <laughs> um, the database. There's two databases. <laughs> if you've ever read Stephen King's on writing book, that's pretty much how my mind is. It's just full of filing cabinets. It's got useful information in it. I just can't always find the right drawer. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. I read on writing. I love Stephen King. And I read on writing, I remember when I was at this stage where I was... I'm sure it's in that, because he uses it in um, The Dreamcatcher. That's how the one character protects himself from the alien, is he locks himself in an office in his mind. Yeah. Where he's got everything filed away. I can't always remember people's faces, but I can remember useless information about films. I can't remember shit, I guess. Um... There's lots of nice little tiny bits in this. I love when Gary Sinise... Love might be a strong word, but I love how it's done in the film where he shoots both of them in the van and then the one guy falls out and the van slowly rolls and you just get this straight line of blood as his hand runs across the floor. It's just something really nice about that shot. I don't know, because it's fucking horrible. (laughs) I know, but it's cinema. This is what it makes. It kind of like makes, it makes moments even greater than they are. Like, okay, a shootout, you know, like, okay, end of story. But this movie, the details, I like this. It, it does things like that, and then it also does the classic cliche, like, you know, Mel Gibson sliding across the bonnet of a cab, chasing Gary Sinise and all that. But yeah. there's, like, little moments where you feel Ron Howard was acing being it. like, I've not done a film like this before, I'm going to push myself. I love and it. Just doing different stuff. Um, like I say, the editing's great as well in places. There's a couple Very. of places where it possibly could have done with being slightly tightly edited. I'd say... Possibly the scene when Sean realizes, I think it cuts to Mel Gibson a little bit too much. Because it's this is where I feel like it's Mel Gibson, like it's the star. You know, like it should be lingering on Mel. It Gibson. should have been Sean, a Mel Gibson glance back to Sean, focus yeah. on Gary Sinise talking, which yeah. it does a bit, but it feels like it cuts too much between that. It should have held longer on Gary Sinise talking, I think, then gone back yeah. to Sean, then gone back to Mel Gibson's eyes, and that be, and then Rene Russo comes in. No, but the I think there's too much linger. cut in between where you kind of, like, yeah, we get yeah. it. He's worked it out for himself. That... Yeah. 
his kid's terrified. Clearly, this is the guy that was behind it all. This is what I felt. This is where I feel sometimes there are moments where you feel like the star is still the star. Yeah. Like the camera lingers too long on his face. The close-up is too close-up. This is what I feel. But at other times, you can feel like, no, the director has control and everybody's treated the same. But some films, you could feel like, yeah, this is the star movie. I get it. It feels a little bit like a studio note, being like, you know, there's not enough Mel Gibson in this scene. Can we just cut in a couple more shots of Mel Gibson? Yeah. I got some B-roll somewhere, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the relationship they set up between him and Sean like at the party. It's weird. He sort of, I suppose, in a way that all parents do, to a certain degree, takes their child for granted. So has nice little father-son moments, but also is easily distracted by party guests or people yeah. he meets in the park, which is ultimately what gets his kid fucking kidnapped. In Central Fucking Park. I know fucking parenting skills, you two. It's just insane. But I, uh, I do like that they mentioned the Tarantino 1997 film Jackie Brown a lot as well. Yeah. That was from some foresight for the future Disney film coming out the following year. <laughs> or Miramax, but it's weird that Donnie Wahlberg doesn't wear a mask when he goes to get the money. This doesn't does it make sense? Is it weird? I don't know. Again, <laughs> I wonder if that's why they weren't gonna survive the whole job anyway. Maybe he was setting him up for this. Like maybe he really wanted them to get caught and then he would run away with his girl. Because, like, like I say, yeah, the other three are... they unmask? Are you serious? Like, this guy? This guy who plans everything to a T? I don't know. Seems a bit too sloppy. Or even on purpose sloppy. Because they're all... The other guys are all just idiots. They're all, you know, like, bulky, stupid. You know, like, let's do the job and stuff like that. Oh, they're that. not subtle at all. I mean, again, we know after the fact why Donnie Warburg was looking at Gary Sinise so much. But when you're first watching it and you don't know the twist, like, drawing way too much attention to yourself keeps down. But then I suppose if you're in a shop and you see somebody getting arrested or being interrogated by cops, part of you would yeah. I suppose it's that car crash mentality, isn't it? Of, yeah. Some shit's going down there. <laughs> not, I remember when I had a flat, I was woken up at about two o'clock in the morning by somebody being pressed against my window and it was the police <laughs> arresting Ooh. a guy, slamming him against, he got slammed against my window where they tackled him. Oh my goodness. I, I, I sort of just looked, I was like, what the fuck is that? I looked out and I was like, no, don't want any part of this. <laughs> yeah, under the covers, come on. <laughs> Did not see a fucking thing. I don't know what's going on, I don't care. I, I love part of me was so kind much. of like, ah, you're getting arrested, you prick. But then I was like, no, this fucking knows where I live now. <laughs> Let's just draw the curtains again and go back to bed. Yeah, go back to bed, yeah. Safe <laughs> and sound, good. <laughs> but I mean yeah like I say this the best stuff in this is largely the two-hander between Sinise and Gibson um, yeah. like I say there's some nice Delroy Lindo moments I just feel like Delroy Lindo was Delroy Lindo and Rene Russo were two great actors who were arguably underserved by this um, yeah I mean definitely. I don't know what the script was like when they got it but I imagine they knew that going in but they make the most, they do well with fairly thankless roles. Exactly, with just thin material. Um, and, you know, we get some nice little character beats from it. Like I say, I love 
I I just wish Dory Lindo's character had figured it out. Me too. I I wished it was like a collaborative work, just like in the series, just like yeah. like I said, independently. Like, so that's why Gary Sinise, that's why um Dory Lindo and that lot turn up at the bank would have been because Dory Lindo had figured shit out. Yeah. I love how Mel Gibson talks him into going to the bank. Where he's just like, no, fuck you. I know if I give you the money here, you're going to fucking kill me. Exactly. So I'm not making the... You're going to kill me and you're probably going to kill my family and the housekeeper. Exactly. (laughs) So it's like, you know, we're going to the bank. That bank scene's great as well. The bit with the cops outside where he looks shifty like he thinks he's been busted and then they're all like, no, man, we just want to shake your hand and... You do us proud and all that sort of thing. Again, given all the police corruption that came out in later years. Yeah. Through, you know, heavy-handed arrests and that sort of thing. It's kind of... But, I mean, this is 96 and everybody was still like, cops are cool. Yeah. Again, and this... No disrespect to cops. I'm not... not... To anybody. To anybody, you guys. They're just but talking about the movie. It's, it's kind of easier in today's world, to sort of look at a thing with a corrupt cop who's being held as, like, you know, the poster boy. Like, for... Yeah. And you can feel like, yeah, okay, another it, it feel, one. It feels up. a bit more shocking then than it would now. Now it's, like, normal. It's, like, natural. This is not even how they're portrayed in nowadays movies. Like, you don't get these, you know, like, Delroy Delenzo characters a lot. No, it's, it's all... But, um, yeah, and that, so... Just the bank scene. The bank scene is such a small scene, but it's so well done. Everybody, like, you know, taking photos with them. And you see when he walks in, everybody's like, it's, it's Tom Mullen. It's Tom Mullen. And I, I love the interruptions, too. Like, you could feel the interruptions are just tightening up the pace. But do you reckon he gets the money back? I know it's a small detail, but the money's going to Gary Sinise's account. Can he get it back? This is what we. <laughs> this is what Gary we Sinise need doesn't look- need it anymore. Oh, maybe he needs it back in hell to get his way out. That is, if there is a hell. I love that massive checkbook he's got as well. I know, it's like... <laughs> imagine me, I mean, you, you probably don't need checks anymore, but imagine me in that rich that you've got like a fucking binder check. <laughs> Damn, it's like, oh, I know. Oh my gosh. Imagine being so like... rich that you can write a check for four million and nobody's going to query it. Or I don't. I don't, It's the. I think the amount of the way that they show the differences. This is what I like, even if subtly, you know. Like if this is how he deals, like this is how he his life kind of unfolds, and the way you can feel even that Gary Sinise is even uncomfortable with it, even he's on the receiving line. Well, yeah, the fact that a four million check is nothing to him as well. Exactly, and you feel. I, like I love his line of, you know, I would have paid ten times that if they could have guaranteed I got my child back. Because I like his whole thing about why are they only asking for two million. They know what I'm worth. Exactly. It's it's a weird thing. It's like it's probably just not greedy. Perhaps that's all they need. Because you think about it, even in '96, two million between Gary Sinise. Lily Taylor, Liev Schreiber, Donnie Wahlberg, and the other guy whose name's gone from my head, sorry. But two million between five of them isn't a massive chunk of money in the grand scheme of things, especially in America. I'm sure he wasn't going to give it to them, exactly. Especially in America. He was never going to let them go away with this money. He was using these idiots yeah. to control the situation. I mean, even like, between two people, tell. two million's not a huge amount. 
And I mean, you could live a comfortable life if you, I suppose, two million's enough that possibly doesn't draw a lot of attention to yourself. Besides, I think she was, to him, she wasn't even a people. Like, she's kind of like, this is what abusers do. He would have used her until somebody better came along. Exactly. This is what I feel. This is why I felt like it was all his from the beginning. She she served a purpose. Again, I think he genuinely felt for her in that weird way that fucking sociopaths do. Exactly. This is what I feel. Again, possibly more property than person. This is true. This is true. So true. But um, I want to talk about the very final shot of this film. Because I find it really interesting that the movie doesn't end on the Mullins reunited. Doesn't end yeah. on a happy moment. It ends on Gary Sinise's dead body on the street from above, and then it fades to somebody washing his blood away, yeah. and then it fades to just life carrying on normal as normal in that spot. It's really interesting For to me. me that it ends on a dead Gary Sinise. It ends on him just sort of being erased from the world. His blood is washed yeah. away. Then you see like people just walking along there as normal, like nothing happened, no sign of him. It's it's a weird thing. You'd think a student note would be like, can we just have another shot of the Mullins in the park throwing a ball around or, you know, happy family kind of thing? I think this is why this movie is stands out, in my opinion. This is not a movie about a happy family. No. This movie is not about happy No, they think, they think they're happy. Yeah. Because she doesn't is... know what he's done. Exactly. And this his, is his world is in jeopardy now. He's had to confess to it, whether Delroy Lindo tells anybody else or not. It's this out there. guy will have rain shitting on him. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Plus, Tom Mullins... I think he feels when Jackie Brown tells him that he's got, what is it, six kids that he'll never see again because he's locked away in here because of him. Yeah. And I think Mel Gibson does feel that. Yeah. As much as he, like, you know, tough guy bleeding from the mouth, spits the blood out kind of thing. I think he generally, this... part of me does think. Thinking about you. Where's my son? What? Do you think that ending up in this place is the worst thing that can happen to you? What are you talking about? Where is my son? Somebody nabbed your kid. And you think that it's me. How? I don't got no connections. I don't got no friends. I got no job. I got no money. And you motherfucker are accusing me! Get off of him! I got six of my own kids, and I would die for every one of them! Get him out of here! And I haven't seen them since I got locked up in here because of you! Why aren't you in here? You fucking belong in jail! Who did you find? I ain't done with you, you fuck! And what happens, I think, it's, will change. It's ambiguous forever. ending. It won't be I the think, same. Would, would he take his responsibility for the part in it to maybe help Jackie Brown out, having realized the impact of him fucking over? Or will he help the kids? Like, will he be like, let me just take care of these kids and stuff like that and just let uh, Jackie Brown rot because he could have done this too. Like, I'm going to be a good person and charitable and give them money or just see that they're up to a I, know, I think he, I think if... he fe- I think he feels what he did to Jackie Brown. I think he feels yeah. that. I think he real. I think 
by losing his son in this way, he knows what Jackie Brown is feeling every fucking day. And admit, you know, yeah. Jackie Brown took the bribe. He was as corrupt. I'm not saying he's an innocent person, Definitely. but you know, he was the smaller guy. But they're who both got bad. Over. This is the thing. They're, yeah, they're both this, bad. They're just on different society scales. And this is what I love about this movie. It's always showing you the differences. Like these people are on top, so they're gonna go out on top too. But this these people are down. So even Gary Sinise just got killed and it's over. And they're washing off his blood and nobody will remember him. And Tom Mullen will, yeah, have a hectic life, but he will still be Tom Mullen. Like it's even giving you the differences between their deaths, the treatment that they're receiving. So it's not a movie about a, a family, about a hero, about a villain. It's more about, I think, in a way, society. And at the same time, America too, where you feel like violence is just washed off and people walk. Is this a comment on how a good, like, you know, working class person is corrupted? Is this what they're saying with yeah. this, with the ending? I really wish I'd had time to listen to the director's commentary to see if um, Ron Howard says anything about that end scene. But I didn't that even think to do it. Partly because I wanted to talk about it without knowing. You know, in that weird Ooh. way that once you find out what it is, or, you know, it might have just been like, we thought this was a cool shot. It's like, oh, that's disappointing. Exactly. I, totally I'd much rather have the conversation post, like... about trying to work it out between us and what we think about it without the knowledge because of sometimes... Ron Howard being like, yeah, so this is what I was going for with this. Uh, I thought hosing blood looked cool. Exactly. Usually, sometimes, most of the time, it is that way. I remember this post where it's like people analyzing the poet used blue because he thought blue resembles blah, blah, blah. And in reality, the poet... It was just fucking blue. You know, like, I just used the color blue. It always reminds me of the scene from Annie Hall with the guy talking about the filmmaker and then yeah. Alan bringing the filmmaker out. And he's like, you know, nothing of my work. I love this scene. And I love Annie Hall so much. Yeah, again, amazing film. I adore Annie Hall. I was actually Annie Hall. Like, my, one of my exes called me Annie Hall. Like, even when we broke up, he got me, you know, like, a scene from the movie is like, Remember me, you're you're always be my any hall. Did like, he oh, did yeah. he sneeze over your cocaine? Oh, <laughs> like I need this. <laughs> we didn't even cook lobsters. Don't worry. Ah, <laughs> oh, disappointing. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I say, was the kind of like laddy daddy da, like me. I think this awkwardness was so mean. The relationship. <laughs> yeah, like I say, it's just. It's a choice for the ending, and it's just like I say, not the obvious one. Like you but say, you can imagine a studio that. being like, "Can we just get like a happy ending of you know, you know them all skipping?" Because Sean's not even in the final scene. See, this it's, is why I'm telling you, it's not about a happy family. It's not. No, this it's... family is not happy. It's it will be plagued by misery for the rest of their lives. Because you get the whole thing with Sean about him being really pissy that he couldn't be in the. Uh enter the competition because his mum was a judge exactly to the point where they're like he probably stropped off because we wouldn't let him be in the competition is their first thought yeah but again i think that's partly parent parental being kind of like so no, they, they're he's, just he's fine he's fine it's yeah it's just trying to reassure themselves yeah so you know there's, there's a certain brattiness about the child but again rich got everything you wanted kind of thing um yeah exactly it's yeah i mean i don't know it's 
as as nice as the lifestyle looks, <laughs> it, it's never the picture it's painting. Yeah. Um, I love that their thing, their library isn't even finished. He's got those newspaper things framed behind him, but then when as it goes around, it's tell just... you, even their house feels, I don't know, weird. It's yeah, I mean, it's like, like I don't. Know. It, it, this movie gives me like underlying levels of discomfort, like something is missing, like something is not right. So when you get to the point where it's the ending, you can feel this, like this whole marriage is. Like this is what I feel. This is how I see it. Anyway, like there is no real love. This woman is. This is a marriage that is made for you know, like title, whatever. Like yeah, the love between them is mostly for his own image and stuff like that. And she's just all she's thinking is just to go on with her life as a socialite or whatever, or a, a woman of you know society. And no, for me, it, it just made me feel like I didn't like this family. I felt they were disregarding the kid all the time. Like, this kid didn't have a voice. You know what I mean? Like, nobody cared to ask him what he was thinking, how he felt. Yeah, he was a bit bratty because he was a rich kid, but still, you could feel he was repressing a lot of things. He, so he wasn't as bratty as a lot of rich kids in films, are though. Please. He, 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 he wasn't the kind of rich kid in a film where you kind of, I hope this little fucker gets kidnapped. Yeah, exactly. And you feel like, yeah, take him, like lock him up. You can feel deep down this level of satisfaction. Because it's like, even at the party, he's there, but he's sort of not there. It's this weird thing. It's like he's sneaking around the party where he shouldn't even be there kind of thing. Exactly. Um, Watching everybody. Uh, I mean... I, I think there is love in the marriage. I think there's love in the family. I just think that it's... I don't know. It's There's a coldness to it, I think. I think yeah. this is the kind of thing that will either reignite that love and bring them back together as a family or will eventually, down the road, break them completely. And I she'll mean, divorce him and move on with the kid. The, the thing the that she instantly blames him when the kid goes missing. Yeah. You know, so rightly so, because like... he went off to fucking talk to people. <laughs> exactly. Instead of sticking with his kid. It's a... Uh... Because, yeah, I'm, I'm in constant fear when my kid goes out <laughs> or walks home from school. You're kind of like, fuck, track him, track him, <laughs> track him. <laughs> Where are you, little shit? <laughs> <laughs> but it's... I don't know. I mean, again, I suppose there's sort of that untouchable feeling that he has as a man with power. That he possibly doesn't feel vulnerable like that. Yeah. This Even is though he knows he, he should. Because there's exactly. nothing he can't deal with that he can't throw money at. And I feel this is why it felt like this kidnap kidnapping kind of exposed his vulnerability, even against, like he was opening up even though he knew he was in control. And let's face it, he was in control. He was the one running the show because he knew his power even surpassed the kidnappers. But still, I felt like when for a moment he thought, oh my gosh, the only thing I didn't have a power over was that they killed my son. You could yeah. feel this vulnerability burst open. This is why he was bent on himself. Well, yeah, because I think he feels a righteous ideology that even if they kill his son, they didn't get what they wanted. So he won. Yes, he yeah. lost his son, but I think there's that from the businessman, you know, he, you he didn't know, pay. Nobody got what they wanted. 
everybody lost kind of thing. It's either if he can't win, everybody loses. They can either both win or they can both lose. There's no middle yeah. ground. So you feel like this is what he thought of all the way, even yeah. when he heard the shot. I think when he heard the shot, I think maybe this kind of like threw the, him there's a couple of nice moments. moments. The bit where he hangs up on him the first time and then he's like, yeah. oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Yeah. I screwed <laughs> up. Where he starts sort of testing the waters of. Yeah. So you, you're right. This, I feel this was his feeling all the way, even after. But until when he heard the shot, it was like it was as if he was thrown into reality. This is this is a moment where I don't know. Did they kill him? So he kind of like breaks down. This is this is what I feel. Because, I mean, like I say, it's that. What would you do? If you had the money, would you pay? And they killed my son. Because yeah. they kill kids all the time. This is what kidnappers do. Well, yeah, because yeah. like, like he says, generally, what's the point of handing a witness back? <laughs> exactly. And the way, they, the idea of isolating the I don't know, this was such a grim idea. The way that they, because he's a cop, you could feel like he would know that uh, people identify sounds, identify stuff. So they're keeping him in this isolating chamber. It was, for me, it was too much to to put a kid, like, to even show me that a kid's being yeah. into an isolating chamber. Well, yeah, I mean, that's like, why he's watching oh God. Tom and the family to make sure he can get Tom by himself to get his money. Yeah. And again, I wonder if he knew that possibly Delroy Lindo was onto him and that's why he was up in it. The more that the news, because he saw the news talking about that they thought the mastermind was possibly still out there. I think obviously that's why yeah. he felt the need to up the timescale to get the money. Yeah. Because um, he's not a fucking stupid man. <laughs> no, he's not. He's a, but he was dealing with, I think they were both two vipers, like, dealing with each other. Yeah. I, this is why I have strong feelings from Tom, that Tom is like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, with different circumstances and shot from a different point of view, Gary Sinise could be the hero of the film. Not, if you, obviously, if you took out him wanting to kill the kid. This part, yeah, should be, like, eliminated. But, you know, he, he was a righteous crusader who wanted to take down a corrupt business person. Like I say, you switch a couple yeah. of things, Gary Sinise becomes the good guy who does a bad thing to take down an even worse yeah. guy. Yeah, this is the thing. But, this movies just mess up with us. And, and part of me wonders, with that final shot, whether we're supposed to feel for Gary Sinise. Are we just supposed to feel for the idea itself? That, you know, like, it's the same. It's like what he said, the Murlocs or whatever are just eliminated yeah so the others can live thrive you know they're all in eliminated if you think about it. all the bad guys even you know like jackie brown all these guys are like poof so that he could everybody has a sympathetic side yeah i think even though you know all of that gang apart from the stone dude and donnie Wahlberg, want to kill the kid the stone dude doesn't care either way Donnie Wahlberg, I felt very bad for him because he was like, this one you should feel for him. This was a guy who's just, you know, like, kind of a a guy He's kind of, you can feel he's scum, you know, like he has nothing to do, he's shit, he's going in and out of, you well, know, he's, like He's childlike friends. himself, isn't he? I think Lee F. Schreiber even very. says, like, you know, he's an innocent, he's a child in himself exactly. kind of thing. 
Um, and he has this kindness and he has this warmth. You could feel like, oh my God, I didn't want you to die. Yeah, and you could see how betrayed he feels when he finds out that they were going to kill the kid. Where yeah, he's like, yeah. I didn't fucking sign up to kill a kid. And he was like, I'm going to save you. I'm going to get you to your parents. As if, you know, like he feels, I'm not going to let them do this to him. Like he's even trying to reassure him, you know, like trying to give him something in the darkness that he's in. And this yeah, kind of when he says to Leo Shriver that, you know, he's not going to give him the money until he guarantees the kid's free. Yeah. Which is why you could feel he had to die. Like, you know, this movie has kind of like this structural thing where you feel like elimination, you know, like survival for the fittest, you know, like so Tom was the fittest of them all. So he was the one who survived and they all just got washed off like the blood. It's because he's Mel Gibson. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He's, With the lingering he's, he's stuff. Peaks of his powers, Mel Gibson. Just Ooh. won an Oscar, Mel Gibson. I know. But it, yeah, I mean, I can see why people don't like this movie. film. I can fully understand it, but I think it, again, it's also like, or right, it's slightly higher budget than like the mid-budget thrillers you used to get, but I imagine a good chunk of that was 20 million for Mel Gibson. Um, exactly, yeah. This is why it was high budget, yeah, I could feel it too. Because, yeah, it was an 80 million budget. Generally, films like this used to be around the 40 million mark. And they used... To, a yeah. film like the, a film like Ransom Now would not see the inside of a cinema, or if it did it, it'd see it for a week and then it'd go on to streaming. Definitely. It, it's... And I'd love... I miss films like that. Now everything either has to be micro budget or Marvel. <laughs> it's like there's no miss, middle ground. I miss action movies like that. Like Just I watched nice, some simple idea, tight thriller. I know. Um, with good characters and actors with actual charisma. I don't know. Like the, something the last was one I can think happening of. there. Sorry. Yeah, the last know. one I can Which think one? of that sort of hit cinemas was a couple of years ago that um, Angelina Jolie won Those That Wish Me Dead, where she's the forest firefighter. This this one was really good. Really, Um, really good. Again, such a nice little 90s. It had emotional intensity too. Yeah. Um, Like I say, you've got people at the peak of their powers. This is like, all right, Delroy Linda went on to do, he should have been Oscar nominated for that Spike Lee film he did a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what it's Definitely. called. It's Four Bloods. Brooklyn. Um, Brooklyn, yeah. I mean, great in Brooklyn. TV on The Good Liar and all that as well. Um, but you got Delroy Lindo at like sort of his peak nineties. Mel Gibson post Oscar at his peak. Ron Howard, I'd argue, at his peak. Very. He gets a couple more, and then it's on to things like The Da Vinci Code and. <laughs> oh yeah, I hate this shit so much. Ron Howard has this weird career trajectory where it's like good film, good film, drops off a little bit. Decent, 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 really good, drops right off. Shit, 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 shit. Rush. Oh my god. A gosh. sequel to whatever that last Da Vinci Code film, Inferno, or whatever it is. So yeah, it uh, right back down. This is crazy now. This so it looks so good on the <laughs> And again, nothing against Ron Howard. I love Ron Howard. Fucking no, Richie Cunningham. <laughs> I know. That all his films don't end with the Happy Days theme is probably my biggest criticism of Ron Howard. Imagine this film, Gary Sneeze, dead. Then them washing the blood away and the thing, but the Happy Days theme is playing over it. 
Okay, this would be fucking as mad. as it played at the end of the thing. So it was that like reprise of it. I know. <laughs> no, that's insane. And then you see all the actors in the film in a jukebox. <laughs> oh. That's what I wonder on how to take away from this, that he needs to go back and re-edit all his films so they got a happy Please. day's ending. <laughs> happy day's ending. Backdraft with a happy day's ending. Far and away, happy day's ending. Do it, Ronnie. <laughs> sort of, I think we pretty much, in a really haphazard kind of way, but like I say, this is such a difficult film to talk about in a linear way. I know, I love that. It's, and I don't I like talking about films in linear ways anyway, because it's just a beat by beat of the film. Have we boring. ever? Have we? Maybe almost famous because we were so infatuated by it. So you could feel we took it part by part, scene by scene. But usually I don't think you and I talk about films in No, I, like I say, I tend not to. We're so Tarantino. Um, oh, I didn't shout out Renny Russo. I keep doing this. Uh, Renny Russo sort of at the peak of her popularity. She's just done Lethal Weapon 3 in The Line of Fire. She's got the Thomas Crane affair coming up a couple of years later. One of my all-time favorite her. films. I love Me the Thomas too. Crane. Affair. I loved her in it too. It was amazing. I remember watching. She's it. got great chemistry with Mel Gibson, like in Lethal Weapon three and four, and it, it carries over into this, but in a slightly different way. But she has never had better chemistry than she what she has with Pierce Brosnan in that film. Pierce Brosnan, but Pierce Brosnan was just a star that you cannot find in a lot of times. But yeah, I mean. And not just those at the peak, you've got actors coming up. So, like I say, you've got your Donnie Wahlberg, who went on to do Band of Brothers and was incredible in Band of Brothers. Very, very. As, as much as Mark Wahlberg gets a lot of platitude, I'd argue that Donnie Wahlberg is the better actor. He just look, didn't have the Mark Wahlberg the, looks. I'm not the Mark Wahlberg train. I like Boogie Nights, but not for him, for a PTA, for Paul Thomas Anderson. But Mark I'm not Wahlberg's a, fine. He does Mark what he does well, but... I don't know. He just got that luck of hitting movie star. Um, but yeah, like I say, you've got Donnie <laughs> Wahlberg, Liv Schreiber, Lily Taylor has always been ticking over from like you know being John Cusack's best friend in Say Anything, exactly to like you know John Cusack's ex girlfriend in High Fidelity, um, to just so many different fucking and that fucking god awful remake of The Haunting. <laughs> they have she was good in this scary movie, it was called The Addiction by Abel Ferreira, yes. yeah. This was a very creepy movie, and I I've loved seen it, it once. It's one of those films. I'm, I'm glad I've seen it, but no, no, not again, again. not again. Yeah, <sighs> I know. Just so creepy, and she was also, I think, which other role she was in? She was in Mystic Pizza. Yeah, movie that I really like. Very cool. So she's she. I think she played also the woman who shot Andy Warhol, and I really wanted to watch this movie again yeah it was a good movie it wasn't a bad movie but i want to watch it again yeah because i went um, i was interested in this woman but but yeah so i mean you've got that great mis- mix of cast like i say it's easy to look back at it now and be kind of like it's that guy it's that guy who was in the even like dave his assistant or whatever he is um you're like yeah i've seen him in lots of other things as well he's exactly. the guy in con air who fucks it everything fucks everything up Decides to pull a gun on a plane full of cri- fucking criminals. Dipshit. <laughs> I, love, I know, crazy motherfucker. <laughs> and I love Con Air. But, right, <laughs> sort of quickly moving on then. I always like to ask about sequels and remakes. Obviously, I didn't realise until recently that Ransom is a remake of an older film. Yeah, I, I heard it and it was shocking. It was only when I was doing it for this and I was like, Richard fucking Maybach. Me too. 
when I was researching, like what? Never thought so. So never realized. So I missed that whenever I do a list of great remakes. Uh, admittedly, I've not seen the original one though. I'm kind of curious to dig it out just to find out how much they took from it, kind of thing. It's always interesting with remakes, whether it's like a, they take everything or they just take a tiny element of it and use that. And just go on with their imagination. Bit like remaking Hell in the Pacific as Enemy Mine, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, would you would you have been interested in a sequel or a remake? I don't know. Right now, there will be things that will be toned down, definitely. And these things, unfortunately, they are the one that made the the whole experience a very heightened emotional experience for me. Like they would tone down all the scenes with the kid, and I want them to tone it down. But still, it will be like, I don't know, a bunch of adults fighting over kidnapping. I don't know. The idea of finding a, an actor with this charisma like Mel to just keep me going and still be convincing as, you know, like a business tycoon, a father and a corrupt asshole. But he still has this emotional. I don't know. I can't find like, do you have one in mind? Uh -huh. An actor? I don't, to be honest, because you want somebody who's got that likable screen. And that's not to say there aren't actors around like it. I mean, I mean, you just kicked him in the nuts, but a Matt Damon, Ben Affleck could do it. But then there's the danger it'd be too Matt Damon, Ben Affleck-y. I know. This feels Mel Gibson-y, but it doesn't feel Mel Gibson-y, if that makes any sense it'll, at all. Totally. To me, it does. It's like you've got the comfort of that familiarity of Mel Gibson, but it also doesn't quite feel Mel Gibson. Because he's not cracking wise, he's not dicking around, he's not doing Three Stooges impressions. Um, <laughs> I mean, I you, it'd be interesting to remake it now, especially with surveillance, computer technology, all of that stuff. Yeah, they've upped the game on this part, yeah. It, and I mean, you're looking at this being 27 years old now? 96, 97 we had it over here, so 26, 27 years old. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not, I think the original was a 50s or a 60s one. So the gap, we're getting Very to a fairly gap. similar point where the gap is uh, sort of there. Um, okay, so you have like... That I wouldn't be against, it's not a sacred thing. I wouldn't be against no, it was, an updated it was remake version of it. If you had the right actor not, and the, the right script. Is, do I want to watch, this is the only thing that I have in mind. Do I want to watch it? I don't know. Like maybe if you say... Just like you say, maybe when they get a good cast and they up the game on the technology, it would be like, oh, it's interesting. Let's see. But I, I mean, remember, like we said, Kidnapped is kind of a, a remake. It's, it's not so because it's good. because it's it was different. so fleshed out. The beauty of Kidnapped they wouldn't is you've do got that Jeremy Sisto character. Oh my god! That Jeremy Sisto character great. is so interesting because he sort of got that. Even the parents, that, Timothy yeah. Hutton and Dad Delaney. He's he's got that Will Graham. From Red Dragon Manhunter kind of vibe where you can get in people's heads, that sort of thing, which makes him. So you can get Jeremy Sisto to be who? You could have Jeremy Sisto as like the equivalent of the Delroy Lindo part. He'd be aged up to that sort of age now as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and it'd be like. You know, uh -huh. I'd also be fine with bringing Delroy Lindo back. Fucker's still going strong. Um, Very. And he's still amazing. Um, because, I mean, 
Maybe, maybe like a Michael like, B. Jordan, somebody like that would be interesting as the yeah. Mel Gibson Ooh. role. And it will be like a different spin and a very interesting spin on that. But who'd be Gary Sinise? Who'd be the villain? I'm not usually Daniel Kaluuya is really good. Well, yeah. I, I mean, do you go <laughs> that that way I mean, with a Gary Sinise type, or do you go like a Don Cheadle or something like that that's also likable, like really likable? So you really start to question what you know what made this man. Why don't you get one of the? Why don't you get one of the boy toys? You know, like we have Mike Feist, we have Timothy. <laughs> And I make him. Um, I'll get Timothy Shaw. You know, oh my god, I make the Gary Sinise guy Timothy Shaw. I'm gonna get your kid, baby. You feel all the girls of the internet will love the bad guy and the older guy. No, no, no. I've got it. 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 You get Butler as Elvis in the Gary Sinise role. He's talking in the Elvis Tim. I love Tim Butler, but I don't want to see this. Just for a good chunk of the film, the Dory Lindu character guy. Like, is he using a voice modifier or is it Elvis? It's Elvis. No, I don't want to watch this. The scene where the kid hears Elvis talking to his dad in his office. <laughs> see, we've, we've really made light of this film now. Oh my god. No, no. Watch this movie. This would be movie hell. This would be movie hell. But no, I think with the right cast, the right director, the right script. I mean, this script and this film isn't perfect. So there are things you could tighten up. And with modern technology as well, could be really interesting. You're right. I don't know. Maybe because I'm I'm thinking of it from the emotional intensity that I felt. And I don't think I will feel it with the remake ever however if they make it into a cool you know like paced action movie, yeah i'm in with technology and you feel like wow these shitheads are smart mm. yeah i'll watch this one but please let them get <laughs> let them get the garrison his character again is types yeah. trust me on this <laughs> like now days have changed you know like it's modern life is different <laughs> so you have villains looking like shalami and you have the good guys looking like you know like Michael B. Jordan or, you know, or even mean... Matt Damon. <laughs> like the, the age difference would be awesome. Like it would be them, some scrawny kid from the Bronx, you know, like angry at this guy who is so rich and we'll throw in some env environmental activism. You know, like, let's make it into a mess or something. <laughs> like I say, it's an in it'd be an interesting one to see redone. I don't think it would be offensive because I mean, Kidnapping movies are it's it's not an exclusive genre to this film kind of thing. There there have been other kidnapping, kidnapping things. Movies. You could do it a bit like the kidnap TV series where your yeah, focus is more on the <laughs> FBI guy, but then that takes away the power of the fuck it. Make the Mel Gibson character the woman. Yes. She's a kick ass no, that... businesswoman who's like, no, fuck you, I'm not paying. Because exactly. you don't need that big punch up ending. You don't need this that need. macho action exactly. hero fist fight ending. No, a mother fighting for her kid, that would be even better. And she's like standing her ground and stuff like that. Yes. Now now that's something that I want to see. Like the Tom Mullen character would be a woman. That's probably the only way you could do it because we've seen fucking dads saving their kids multiple times. Taken this. 
like in any movie where a, a child or wife goes missing and is all killed. Exactly. It's, it's really the hero like dad a... kind of thing, or hero husband. I think, again, to get the right actress. I love the Elvis voice. Like, imagine getting them to just do the Elvis voice instead of changing. And they can't get it with the with the technology to decipher the real voice. Like, <laughs> oh, I think they got it. Don't <laughs> ever catch me. They um, are so <laughs> I just love that. Like, Using a voice modifier or is the Elvis? Okay. They'd go straight and arrest him. He he still couldn't drop that accent by the time he won a BAFTA. <laughs> and it ends with the Happy Days music. Who is she? Pick an actress. And I'll pick one. Who's going to be her? Someone with... Oh, would she be too old? Kate Winslet? Yeah, I think she'd be too old for the role, right? Possibly, possibly not. I mean, she still God, she I doesn't look her. her age. You would be... Oh my god! Like a Jessica Chastain would be good. And Jessica Chastain, she's she's a killer in these roles, yeah. Like I say, you need somebody who can do that warm, likable, friendly person, but also will fucking cut you a new one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If you fuck with a family kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So you it. need somebody who can do that. Both convincingly, yeah. And sort of get that vulnerability within, because that's the other thing about. Mel Gibson in this is that while he is all Billy Big Bollocks, there's a vulnerability to it as well that he doesn't quite believe in what he's doing. I love him on in his Braveheart scene where he's betrayed. I love Braveheart so much, but I don't love all the torture war scenes. I just love, you know, like the 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 things between I don't know, but probably this is what I take out of all the movies that I watch with war and you know and freedom yeah <laughs> yes make out <laughs> end it <laughs> and imagine <laughs> Kate was talking on the phone wow with her awesome voice and accent and it make her British I don't want her to be American you know and then she's talking to without <laughs> the body fire fuck it I know how we make it Paddington Bear oh <laughs> In the Tom Mullen role. Oh. And he gets his kid back with a hard stare. Any oh. film would be made better with Paddington Bear. Definitely. Aliens with Paddington Bear. Paddington Bear. Nine Elm Street with, with Paddington Bear. Oh. <laughs> it's got to end with the Happy Days music. This is my one thing. This, this has this, to be This the is remake. a deal breaker for me. If Hollywood's listening and they're like, no, fuck it, we're going to remake Ransom. We like this guy's plan. It's got to end with the Happy Days music. These kids are so smart. Yeah, we are Hollywood. Fuck it. Get Bryce Dallas Howard to direct it as well. Yes. This film makes itself. Hello. End of story. Exactly. Drop the mic. Drop the mic. Hollywood, shut down. You don't need to make anything ever again. We've remade Sorry? Ransom perfectly. In fact, it's so good, I don't think they should make it. It's too good to actually be made. Leave it in our imagination. Exactly. exactly. It will never be as good. But I mean, admittedly, we will get the go woke, go broke crowd after us because we've gender switched the roles. But <laughs> yeah, but what... it, it's a simple switch though, and it worked. It would work really well. 
I think it's... You, all you've got to do, you can keep everything else the same. You've just got to switch out the mother and the father. Exactly. So the mother's a kick-ass businesswoman who's possibly done something dodgy. He's a, he's a and the husband's just one of those dad. socialite... Yeah, exactly. And he just gets pedicures and he's like happy getting bronzed, you know, like I want him yeah, to he's be a fucking YouTuber or something. One of those dead Ex- beats. Exactly, yeah. And he's just always, you know, taking selfies and shit and just even in Central Park, she's like, take care of the kid. And he's like, yeah, honey. And he just ignores and looks awesome. Yeah, because I think he still needs to be the one who's not paying attention to the kid. So that yeah, when she's definitely. like, you fucking lost the kid, you dead. Beat. Exactly. And then she's like, I'm in fucking charge now. And he's happy because he doesn't want to be in charge of anything. And, and he's like, cool, I'm going to go blog or something. <laughs> oh, I need my tanning bed. And he just slips into it. I'm, I'm being dismissive. You could do a really good husband role in that Rennie Russo mold. You know, just oh, a stay-at-home oh, husband. He's a good person, but he's, you know, like, she's the one holding the family and she's the one, you know, like, moving it forward. Yeah. And there's a lot of them. Ryan Reynolds for me. Get him. I know he's that cool and cool, but he's also got this dead vibe for me. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds would be a good one. If he could yeah. the trouble is is he's he's very Ryan Reynolds. But I need him to talk. But then down. Ryan if you've ever seen Buried, fucking horrible film. <laughs> Amazing, but horrible. Oh my gosh, I didn't see this. Buried! No! Where they buried him alive, it's yeah. such a depressing ending. Why did you remind me? I, I cried like for a day after this movie because why? Yeah, he'll still be the husband for me. He's a good stay-at-home dad, yeah. unless we want, you know, my version, which is like an obsessed with image boy toy. So I'll get my I have ones to cast in this role. Please, thank you. Awesome. But then I'm demonizing the dad. Why am I doing it? No, yeah, it. again, like I said, I don't think we need to demonize the dad. I, I was I was joking with the, you know, he's a fucking YouTuber. I wanted to it be it like just seems to be that thing. You get these awesome, powerful women, and then they've got this fucking dipshit hanging on. But why? They're they're powerful women because they have husbands who are like more, you know, like they just don't want to. They're pacifists. They don't want to. They want to stay out of the, you know, like drama and stuff like that. And get a very good husband role and write him very well too. Yeah. And get a very hot guy to do it. So you could have one of those like, Hollywood jobs like Hollywood. architect where you never actually seem to do any fucking work. That used to be the go-to things in movies. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, he's an architect. It's like, cool, do we ever get to see him doing it? No, 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 no. Architects don't actually do any fucking work. They're off like solving crimes <laughs> or investigating weird noises that they heard. A la Michael Keaton in White Noise. Exactly. <laughs> so many films show you jobs that you're like, yeah, I could do that. I'd be home every fucking day. It's amazing. Architects do fuck all. Wow. Sleep in Seattle, white noise. All architects. This... All do fuck all. Like, <laughs> turn up to a building site, go, that should be there, and then go. Occasionally sit at a drawing board, drafting a... <laughs> oh my god. Wow. But anyway. Um, yeah, I think I think we've covered Ransom. So... Um, unless there's anything else you want to add to it before we sign off on the film. Nope. No, I think we've... <laughs> we've covered it all. I think we fleshed it out. I feel like very satisfied now because we've just... I think it's a better film for this conversation, to be honest. Very, very. <laughs> Again, just slap that Happy Days ending on it. 
would have been, you know, like get us in on the uh, like you know thirtieth anniversary DVD special features. Please add it, <laughs> Ron. You're hearing. <laughs> Because it's quite funny, like it had really good reviews at the time, but at the same time, like the Roger Ebert one, he was very up on Mel Gibson and quite snippy about everything else. It's like, but you oh. still gave it three stars out of four. Only for for Mel Gibson, you know. It's I mean, like it is like I say, it is built all around a Mel Gibson performance. It's very much there to showcase Mel Gibson, and that's fine. But I think it's a better film than possibly people gave it credit for beyond the. It's just a Mel Gibson vehicle, isn't it? Exactly. Because um, it's also a very good Gary Sinise vehicle as well. I really like the movie. I think there are a lot of good stuff in it. I, I think it's they... like I say, it's the conversations. It's like the shit I like about like the um, Jack Ryan films. Is I like people, smart people, talking around, having interesting conversations. Yeah, me too. And that's a lot, a lot of what this film is. And like I say, the plan is thought out. How he has to dro- do the money drop. Fucking comes undone at the end, obviously, because the FBI dick it up. Yeah. And Gary Sinise looked pissed. <laughs> <laughs> but awesome. Um so what's what's new with you? Anything new that any people should be looking out for? Yeah, I'm collaborating with my friends at uh, Women Connected in Wisdom, a podcast uh on this book. Uh, and I think I'm contributing with an article, an essay. Uh, I'm interviewing, you know, like people on my YouTube channel, you know, like filmmakers, um, just a lot of cool people just to shake things off. Um, I'm also contra- still collaborating on the Funny Gal talk show with my friend, Michelle. So yeah, I'm just I'm just all over the place with artistry and trying to indulge in as many artistic projects as I can. And I think this is what's making me happy because... I've never been that creative and that's very right. In yeah. the past, I would be like writing, 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 and that's it. No, now I'm being with a lot of people, feeling that I'm investing myself and just doing art. So I'm I'm in a very good place in terms of creative side. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Like I say, it's just wonderful fucking free therapy, isn't it? Thanks, too. <laughs> Cool. I mean, I'll put all the links in the show notes and everything. Any other links you want to send me over? Yeah. But awesome. All right. <laughs> awesome. Cheers for doing this and cheers for giving me an all excuse right. to rewatch the film. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. Great conversation. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye bye. Can I ask you a personal question? Sure. Why didn't you pay the ransom? Because I was dealing with human garbage. No contract would have been honored, not by them. And the funny thing is, I would have paid ten times as much if I had any sense that they'd stick to the deal, but no. Really? Oh, yeah, really. (laughs) The thing that really kills me about that is the woman. You've been in this house five, six times over the last year. Nice, pleasant, you know, you just can't... uh... I don't know how people can walk around with that... that cold-blooded... two-faced... Bitch. Well, uh, you know, in fairness to the dead, we're all a little two-faced in this day and age. <laughs> it's a survival mechanism. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, 
You know, as a cop, you should hear some of the stuff that's been thrown my way over the years. Tom, just forget about the gloves, honey. He wanted to come home. Kate, uh, Mr. Shaker's here. Mr. Shaker? Listen, you, you gotta meet Sean. I'll go get him. No, uh, he's, you know, had enough. Let's give him a breather, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's had enough. Okay. Uh, can I get you anything? No. <laughs> Fine. Again, I, I can't even begin to... I understand. Don't mention it. Please help me with some things downstairs. I'll be right there. That was Ransom. And why not? I'd like to thank Jay for joining me on the episode to talk about the film. Please do check out the show notes for links to where you can find her work and find us online. At the time of recording, Ransom is available in the UK on DVD from Touchstone Pictures. It's also available to rent or buy digitally from Prime Video. Uh, we put a shout out on the socials for your thoughts on and memories of seeing the film, and we had a reply from Andy CT, who is at Andy CT Writes on Twitter, and he said, I have to watch this every time I think of this film. Give me the money, you motherfucker! Give me back my son! son. Give me back my son! My son! son. Give me back my son! son. My son. son! Give me back my son! Give me the money! My son! son. Give me back my son! My son! son. Give me back my son! son. My son! Money! Give me back my son! Give me the money! Give me back! 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 If you'd like to let us know your thoughts on the film, you can get involved in the conversation wherever you see this episode posted on our social media channels. So if you aren't already, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram, or why not join the And Why Not group over on Facebook. If you follow us on any of these, not only will you be kept up to date with what episodes are coming, but you'll have the chance to contribute to them, and we also put out our picks of three great movies to check out each week on Freeview TV. If you fancy joining us, just search And Why Not Pod on all the social networks, or check out the links in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode and can be bothered to do so, please give the episode a share and a like and tell your friends about it. And why not give the series a follow or subscribe over on Acast or if you listen to your episodes. If you're feeling super generous, we'd be grateful of a review or rating. If you have a second or two to spare, it really helps with the numbers and bumping it up. But at the end of the day, we're just grateful you spent the time listening to us at all. So if you don't have time, don't worry about it. If you missed any Amwine episodes so far, you can find them on our podcast channel on Acast, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, or on our website at hauntednerds.com. In the meantime, we're back on Tuesday the 13th of June, where I'll be joined by Jim Beard as we discuss the 1967 James Bond comedy, Casino Royale. But until then, this has been a Nose of Hold Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. Thanks for listening, and remember... Howard, you've done it again. These happy days are yours and mine. These happy days are yours and mine.